And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Dan Rogers, President and CEO of Cherry Street Mission Ministries. If we would see him coming at us with a scalpel and say to him, God, I know there's things in my life you need to open up a wound on. If we can appreciate that, then that can be translated, if you'll allow it, as a leader, that certainly the things that I need to do for people, though harsh at the moment, is in fact a wound. But if you know what you're doing, you can bring somebody to health and healing because of it. Hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert, your host of the Bottom Line Faith podcast. And this is the leadership podcast where we take a look under the lid and under the hood of Christian leadership, high-capacity Christian leaders, to learn how they think, how they solve problems, how they live out their faith each day in the marketplace. And for those of you who are regular listeners to our program, you know that one of the fun things about the Bottom Line Faith podcast is that we bring to you a variety of high-impact, high-capacity Christian leaders, business owners, CEOs from the world of athletics, and world of nonprofit ministry. And that is uh, what we're going to focus on today. We are so excited to have as our special guest for this edition of the Bottom Line Faith podcast, Mr. Dan Rogers, who is the president and CEO of Cherry Street Mission Ministries in Toledo, Ohio. Dan, Mm. welcome to the program. How are you? I'm well, Ray. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Well, I tell you, uh, we've had a chance to spend quite a bit of time off the air and, and prior to today's program. And uh, I just can't wait to dive in. Our listeners are in for a mm. special treat today. Uh, we're, we've got questions that we love to ask on the uh, Bottom Line Faith podcast. But Dan, let's take just a few moments, okay. share a little bit of your background, and then um, as you feel appropriate, transition to what it is that you do here at uh, Cherry Street Mission Ministries. Well, you bet. I mean, uh, just starting with family, my wife and I have been married for 38 years. We have five children, nine grandchildren. Um, all out of the house. So my wife and I are empty nesters over the last couple of years. So just discovering what it's like not to make a lot of food (laughs) at night, which is a task all by itself. I think we've just now begun perfecting so we don't need that much rice uh, on a daily basis. So it's just adapting to that. My wife and I have always just maintained a really super healthy relationship with each other. So thankfully, there was no readjustment for us personally because we had really spent a lifetime uh, making sure that we were clean relationally. Uh, But it's been wonderful just to discover that. And of course, to have kids, uh, have grandkids, is a uh, really uh, super uh, event in my life every single time I get called grandpa. So it's just a great thing. My friend told me years ago, he said, you know, grandkids, before I add any, he said, grandkids will come to your life and they'll go into a room you didn't know existed, turn on a light you didn't know existed, and all of a sudden you have illumination in a part of your life you never knew you had. And I have found that to be absolutely true. And you have how many grandkids? We have nine. As I'm listening to that, I'm thinking of my own parents who uh, we have three children, and, I, okay. and uh, I'm convinced that those are not the same people I grew up with. Oh, that's definitely true. And uh, my mom has a saying, I love it, and it's so funny, but she says her Two favorite sets of lights in the world are the headlights when we are bringing the grandkids and the tail lights when we're taking them home. <laughs> it's so true, man. I mean, there there are times where I'm like, hey, don't don't you people should be going home? You have one. Um, and then five minutes after they're gone, I'm like, gosh, I wish they'd come back. Yeah, you know. So it's always that uh, that balance of uh, work and life, right? 
Absolutely. Well, Dan, we've had a chance, to, as we've gotten to know each other a little bit off the air, uh, you shared with me a little bit of your mm-hmm. uh, background, uh, sure. international work and some mm-hmm. of things. Just take a couple moments and give our audience uh, an understanding of uh, your vocational background. Oh, my vocational background has been pretty varied. Um, uh, pastor at a church, I've uh, done global missions, global work. Um, I'm clinically trained uh, behavioralist. Uh, so I've done a lot of clinical work, uh, largely in the in the world of mental retardation, developmental disabilities. But about uh, 20 years ago, really started diving into substance and addiction, specifically uh, helping guys 20 years ago and more about um, sexual addiction. Okay. So people were, uh, which I think is the the most sophisticated addiction known to man, is sexual addiction and. Um, uh, and how sophisticated it is relative to uh, how pervasive uh, it is. So every time you feel like you've got a handle on it, it changes, right? So cut my teeth in that, developed a lot of programs along the way. My wife and I started our own missions company about uh, 20 years ago as well. So we've got a lot of work that we support in India and a lot of work that we support through my wife's efforts, largely in Jamaica. Mm. So we go back into very, very rural areas and we uh, focus on two things, people development and curriculum development. So in developing countries. And so you've really been able to take that background, your professional training, um, certifications, degrees and so forth, and really bring it into behavioral issues in ministry. Uh, yeah, I talk think, to us about that. Yeah, I think uh, the well, I think there's a big difference, Ray, between when you work with people, whether you're a clinician or not. Maybe you're just a neighbor across the backyard fence. I think all relationships require one of two things: you're either going to be behaviorally stamped or you're going to be time stamped. And I think if you really want to do the the worst thing with people, is introduce time. And I think if you really, frankly, want to do the worst thing with yourself introduce time into your own development. And we do that every time we say we should have learned this by now, we should be there by now, we should be in this part of our career by now. Um, If you really want to destroy anything good in your life, introduce time. However, conversely, if you really want the kind of construct that produces the kind of health in you and in others, then make it behavioral stamped. Right? It's not that I should have known this by now. It's a matter of uh, what am I doing to develop the kind of behavior that sustains where I want to go. And so when you think along those lines, you, you keep time out of the equation. And the way I, that I got there years ago, I mean years ago when I first started teaching other people on my trade, was helping them understand the simple question that I always ask when I'm doing training, and it's this. If you were God, how many of you would have killed you by now? (laughs) And the reality is every hand goes up because, I mean, in my 20s alone, Ray, I should have been obliterated from the face of this planet. My, me, my line, my genes, everything should have been obliterated. And yet here in my late 50s, still standing, still serving God. Why? It's only because God has never introduced time in our relationship. He's a timeless God. And when we so freely receive that timelessness, it should be uh, a thoughtful engagement on us to not introduce time to anyone else, including ourselves. That's an incredible lesson uh, and, and a learning there. And, and, and I'm, I'm mindful of uh, in the Word where he says, I'm the same yesterday, exactly. today, and forever. And that yeah. 
when when he asked Mo, when Moses said, "Who shall I say sent me?" He said, "I am." He that's right. He didn't say say I no. was. I will be. I am. And that's I yeah. think that's what well, you're he's talking not about. wearing a stopwatch, yeah. nor is he wearing a Timex. Yeah. But we kind of feel like he is, and it's mostly because we we know we have a date stamp on our forehead, right? Yeah, that's right. We know this whole thing is going to end. But even the Apostle Paul would challenge us to say, listen, this whole date stamp you're living in, and he says that by saying, don't walk in the flesh. But essentially what he's saying is, don't don't live to your date stamp. Don't live in such a way that time is introduced in your life, but yet walk in the Spirit, because you know the Spirit knows no time. It sure, that's right. That's good stuff. Folks, we're talking with Dan Rogers, the president and CEO of Cherry Street Mission Ministries in Toledo, Ohio, on this edition of the Bottom Line Faith Podcast. Dan, let's transition now okay. to the work here that you're doing at Cherry Street, and uh, tell us a little bit about the organization, what you do, and kind of how you define success here. Well, I'll tell you, Cherry Street is now nearing its 70th year, seven decades of continuous work. I got to tell you, uh, if I wasn't the president and CEO of this organization, I would still be thrilled. This is one of the greatest institutions in our region for a couple of reasons. Number one, for seven decades, the lights have never gone out. We have been operating literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop for seven decades. That by itself is an amazing thing. What we do here, though, is we build on our founding. Our founding back in the 1940s, all missions were based on the three S's, right? Soup, soap, and salvation. So Mm -hmm. how do you get somebody cleaned up on the outside and the inside? Certainly over the years, you take the practicality and and the logic model that's associated with the gospel of redemption, and you bring forward innovation. How does the gospel not advance? I'm not really interested in advancing the gospel. I'm really more interested in scaling the gospel. I think the gospel of redemption is absolutely scalable. So if I'm at 50 people a year that I'm leading to Christ and discipling, I'm only thinking, how do I get to 100, right? How does the gospel scale? And so what we do it here at Cherry Street is we take our founding, and we are constantly, every generation of leader uh, is charged with this ideal. How do we innovate and build on the gospel of redemption? How can redemption this year increase for all people, not just the people that we see, but all people? So the word all from our founding until today has been in our mission statement that we would receive all who come to us. Now, I got to tell you, Ray, that has been both our glory and our the bane of our existence. Because mm-hmm. when you say you're going to be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and no one gets turned away, think about how many people you wouldn't want to serve that fits inside of that. No one would be turned away. So registered sex offenders, felons, people that are running from the law, um, people that have been kicked out of their houses, um, I mean, at all times of the day, no matter what. So Cherry Street has always been focused on innovating the gospel of redemption moving forward. That 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 really is what Jesus was talking about coming. I think all, so, right? And so right. Uh, I've had the incredible privilege, even before we've recorded this uh, this 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 session on Bottom Line Faith, that you've taken me on a tour here. Oh, sure. Of this building, but there yeah. are how many buildings in the Greater Toledo area that are facilities of the ministry? Yeah, totally. Cherry Street serves uh, A to Z in nine different neighborhoods through seventeen facilities. All right. Uh, the building that we're broadcasting from today and the one you just had a tour of is called the Life Revitalization Center, and we're building it out as an adult vocational and career center. Awesome. And, and for our listeners who might want to uh, take the time to learn more about the ministry, what's the website or how can they learn more? Super easy, right? So in our website's both uh, uh, mobile, so you can get it on your app in any place, but it's uh, cherrystreetmission.org. Uh, there you can learn really, really super quick what we're about. 
and engage us on a varying uh, ways. So, folks, that's uh, cherrystreetmission.org, cherrystreetmission.org. All spelled out, all one word. Very good. Mm -hmm. Well, Dan, let's let's now transition to your role here in leadership in in particular. And, um, you know, we've got some questions that we like to ask each of our guests, so we're going to just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about perhaps uh, growing up in your career. Mm -hmm. What was the best piece of advice that uh, you can recall someone giving you and how does that continue to impact you today? I think the best piece of advice I got early uh, in my leadership career was uh, be as fearless as you possibly can, whenever you possibly can. Um, and I found that to serve me so well. I certainly observe other leaders and other organizations. Sometimes mistakes are made organizationally or in leadership because there wasn't enough good old-fashioned bravery involved in decisions. And um, certainly my early mentors when I was in my 20s, and I knew clearly that um, I could like walk into a room and someone was going to appoint me the leader. So I knew pretty early that that was going to be my track in life. Others saw that as well, Ray, and, and started really folding um, heartfelt thoughtfulness into my development. And certainly my early leader uh, and mentor helped me not just learn by his own behavior, courage and good old-fashioned bravery, but challenged me to be courageous in all of my decisions, which requires you to be honest with people and be honest with yourself. And it also requires you to make really super unpopular decisions during really super impossible times. So I have found that courage has been um, not just my best lesson early on in leadership, but it continues to be my best lesson for sure. Would you say that... um that doesn't necessarily mean we won't have fear. It just means mm-hmm. having the courage to make those difficult decisions in the midst of that. Is that true? No, I, I think that's absolutely true. I don't know that you can truly be courageous or brave in the absence of fear. Yeah. Because if you don't have fear, what are you being brave about? So I think absolutely you need this synergy of trouble and you need the synergy of suffering. I Oftentimes I find even in my own work that uh, leaders will get themselves in trouble, particularly on a faith side, because they don't have a quote-unquote theology of suffering. They don't realize that God meets us so very sweetly during very, very difficult times. So you're absolutely right. Uh, Fear is definitely a part of, (laughs) my goodness, every act of bravery that I've had in the 35 years that I've led organizations. Uh, Without it, uh, again, there would be no reason to be brave. Yeah, that's actually a great segue then into the next question uh, about mistakes or things we've learned from. So tell us a little bit as you reflect over your 35-plus year career, maybe the biggest mistake you can recall that you made and what you learned from it. Uh, The biggest mistake that I made was uh, I was hiring a key position uh, in our role as the chief operations officer. And so the mistake that I made was speeding through the interview process. And uh, again, a moment ago, I said you should never introduce time. If you really want to fail, go ahead and do it. If you don't, please don't. Um, But uh, man, I introduced time in the process and was down to my last candidate. Now, I got to put the word last in air quotes because (laughs) it wasn't like the next day the world was falling apart, right? So it wasn't my last candidate. It wasn't like I had interviewed 7.2 billion people for the job, (laughs) right? And exhausted every human resource on the planet. Um, But I introduced time and, oh my gosh, uh, totally hired the wrong person in a very key leadership role. 
And uh, that person uh, was with me for 11 months, three weeks, and one day. So just shy of a full year of operations. But it ended with with um, uh, their abuse of a staff member, physical abuse of a staff member. And uh, boy, it was just it was just a really really bad decision. And and there was a lot of cleanup after that. I was probably a year. Um, really just helping the teams that saw that happen yeah, yeah. pick up the pieces and trust again, right? Because yeah. I had brought that person into the organization. You, you were very specific there on how long that leader was in your organization, <laughs> right. right? So well, it killed me, right? I mean, you put a lot, a lot of energy into that key of a leadership role. So Yeah, so that 11 months and... Yeah, three weeks and one day. Yeah. How yeah. far into that process did you realize, oh my goodness, we've made a big mistake? Yeah, here. like day seven. Yeah. I mean, it was a real, it was a, when I look back on it, um, the two things we talked about today, timelessness and courage, uh, were absent. <laughs> so yeah. um, I should have absolutely, and I'm looking back on it, Ray, oh my gosh, I, I would have let this person go probably on day eight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, in dealing with the hundreds of business owners and leaders that I've had the pleasure mm-hmm. over the last two decades, this is the number one thing. Oh, uh, yeah. and, and we, you know, we all heard the, the phrase, you know, hire slow, fire fast. And right, right. We tend to reverse that. We hire fast and fire slow. Mm-hmm. And uh, just as a reminder out there for our listeners, maybe somebody, as you're listening to this program, you've got a key leader right now that mm-hmm. you've been wrestling with. And we, we're a strong believer here at Bottom Line Faith and in our supporting ministry, Truth at Work, that the time to let a, a, an employee go or let a leader go is the exact moment you've decided it's time to let them go. That's exactly right. <laughs> we just well, I tell you, it's it's such great uh, key practice. Uh, I had rarely made that mistake prior to this decision, and I guarantee I haven't made it since. That was about six years ago. But it's a tough, tough lesson to learn. And, it, and I'll tell you, be honest with you, for the other leaders that are listening, um, I was surprised looking back on it. I I totally surprised myself that I was I was breaking more standards than I could create new ones with this person. And uh, when you get to that point where you're breaking standards quicker than you can make new ones, you've already right. You're rearranging chairs on, uh, on chairs on the Titanic at this point. So <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> right. That's right. You're paying the violin. Folks, we are talking with Dan Rogers, the president and CEO of Cherry Street Mission Ministries in Toledo, Ohio. Our co-host, Adam Ritz, is out on assignment, uh, so uh, I get the pleasure. This is Ray Hilbert, your host today for this edition of Bottom Line Faith, and we wish Adam well in his travels this week as he's out on the road. So, Dan, let me kind of transition a little bit to a couple other questions here. Let's talk about how you live out your faith okay. in your leadership. You're a man mm-hmm. of faith, a, a Christ-centered leader. Sure. What's that look like for you? Well, first of all, uh, pretty unwavering, uh, I will tell you. I think uh, consistency is one thing. Constancy is another. Um, so consistently it speaks of regularity. Constancy speaks of um, uh, you never found not doing it, that double negative. But I think um, I live up my faith um, pretty, and I'm going to use I'm going to use a very unusual word, Ray, but I'm going to use it correctly. I wouldn't suggest anybody putting this on a T-shirt, but I live it out in a very bigoted way. Um, I know that's a dirty, horrible word, mostly because it's associated with really horrible, dirty things. But the definition for that word is having a very narrow and yielding point of view. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Christ in my life, I, I have a very narrow viewpoint, right, um, that's, that's uh, for my life. 
I don't, I, I, I don't stand on a corner with a bullhorn and insist it upon others because I think my life is an open book. If you want to read it, you can. But in order for me as a leader to stay straight for myself, for my family, and for my team, they really have to see that constancy, don't they? They have to know that come hell or high water, their leader is always in the same place yeah. as best as she or he can be in the best version that uh, can be trusted. And so it's a great leadership challenge, but one that um, I can tell you I conquered long ago only because I see the, the ill effect of not being constant, of not standing on the corner that people can trust you on, and watching just things unravel so rapidly. Um, again, bring up, bring up some good old-fashioned bravery and apply as much constancy about your faith and about your values and make sure you live your faith and your values openly. So again, if people want to read your book, they can. Well, and so the tie-in there is that that being a follower of Christ in sure. the marketplace, this yeah. boldness, um, sometimes having to make those hard decisions that mm-hmm. in the moment they may not seem, at least to the receiver, oh, right. caring, compassionate. Godly. But you've got a bigger picture, this this consistency that you're talking about, right? right? right. You, you've got a higher standard, and right. that's that's what I'm hearing. And I've got to believe that dealing with um, the clientele that, that you serve here, that's got to be, a, seems to me, to be a regular part of your well, experience. I think it is, too. But don't you think, Ray, as well, that we in the community, either in the business world or even the faith world, are working with the wrong definition for compassion? It seems like in today's 21st century marketplace, um, we have compassion all wrong. Compassion seems almost to be translated as we'll serve you and we'll never address your brokenness. And I don't think that's compassion. If I'm walking down the road and I see a car that's gone over the ditch, it's not compassionate to make sure that I rope them down some sandwiches so they can, they can be fed while they're stuck. Compassion says, no, how do we get in? How do we solve? How do we free? And so whether it's staff member or one of our guests or anybody in the community or even a major donor, if I see people stuck, it's not compassion to ignore their stuckness. It's not. It's not my role as a compassionate leader to lead people as I found them because I've never had God's compassion be translated that way for me. I mean, God accepts me right where I am, but he's never left me where he found me. And I think if you just translate that to everyday work, whether it's with your staff or anyone else, that's certainly I'm going to be pinged for not being compassionate, not being a follower of Christ, and not being very godly. But it's only, Ray, because I think people are working with a wrong working definition for compassion. That's spot on. So, Dan, there's a good chance that right now somebody listening Mm -hmm. to this interview with you is wrestling with a tough decision, and and maybe they're facing a difficult conversation with an employee, a co-worker, um, a vendor, a customer, right. perhaps even someone in their family, and they're thinking to themselves, you know, I probably should go have that difficult conversation, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm. You're giving us really some great equipping and, and teaching on why that is not the compassionate thing. That's not no, the loving not. thing is to let that go. Is that, no. Am I there's hearing a, you right? Yeah, there's a verse in Hosea that says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he who has, has struck will bind, he has wound will Will, will heal us. And you can't read that verse without it leaving a pretty significant taste in your mouth that, that the same God that wounded you is the same God that's now healing you. And, you know, it's, it, it is that work of God. You know, the sword that God uses for us is double-edged, right? It wounds and heals. 
And oftentimes we just accept Jesus as Jehovah Rapha, the healer, but we don't accept him as, as, as Jehovah the wounder. There are things about us. There are sensibilities that we have and ideas that we have and long-held beliefs that we've had that God totally wants to offend. He totally <laughs> wants to wound us over those things and and uh, extract them like a wise master surgeon out of our lives. I, I had surgery nine years ago, and um, that surgeon was absolutely careless about how I felt about it, right? But he was surgical. Right, he cut exactly where he needed to cut. He was in us for as long as he uh, needed to be in. He uh, bound his wound very carefully, and I was healthy as a result. And it's interesting to me how we can understand that physiologically, biologically, but when it comes to the wise master surgeon that is Jesus, the creator of us, who knows us inside and out, if we would see him coming at us with a scalpel and say to him, God, I know there's things in my life you need to open up a wound on. If we can appreciate that, then that can be translated, if you'll allow it, as a leader, that certainly the things that I need to do for people, though harsh at the moment, is in fact a wound. But if you know what you're doing, you can bring somebody to health and healing because of it. That is awesome stuff. Folks, we are speaking for this edition of the Bottom Line Faith Podcast with Dan Rogers, the president and CEO of Cherry Street Mission Ministries in Toledo, Ohio. Believe it or not, Dan, we are down to just a few more moments, so I have two questions for you. It's been too fun, so I have no idea. Maybe next time we'll have an hour-long program. Okay, we'll (laughs) see where it goes. flown by. Uh, We we were talking offline before we went on air here. Mm. Uh, You deal a lot with business Mm -hmm. uh, leaders, business owners, people who have financial resources, and they want to help Mm -hmm. make a difference in the community. Yes. And yet you see some mistakes made sometimes. So um, maybe give a little bit of advice to a business leader or someone who has financial resources listening to our interview who wants to make a difference in their community. What would you advise them to be careful of? I would be careful about some legacy, to be honest with you. I think uh, we have, I, I, I'm okay with the word legacy itself, even for the definition of the legacy. But I tell you, from a behavioral standpoint, I don't like how legacy gets unfolded. Um, I think uh, funding, programming, um, work that would actually make a large and, and uh, significant impact in community can't be about legacy. It's really got to be about endurance. You know, I like what Abraham Lincoln said in his uh, address once. He said that the nation, he said it in the Gettysburg Address, he said that this nation would endure. The decisions he was making had nothing to do with legacy, had everything to do with what was going to live afterwards. And I think business leaders and leaders all across the country are beginning to dial in that legacy is more about what's happening today and endurance has to be more about how do we build sustainability um, so that when we're gone, uh, the good work of God or the good work of our hands continues. So I would say to folks, try your best. If you're going to use the word legacy, use it in a way that gets defined and behaved in endurance. Oh, I love that. That is terrific advice. So we're down to the last question, believe okay. it or not. And um, Dan, I, I like to take just a moment and set the stage. This is the last question that I ask every guest here mm-hmm. on Bottom Line Faith. And we just call this our 423 question. And it's okay. based out of Proverbs 423 that uh, Solomon, uh, who you know we believe is the wisest man outside of Jesus to ever walk the face of the earth, um, wrote these words. And it says uh, in Proverbs 423, it says, Above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. Mm. 
Hmm. And Dan, in, in kind of researching, there there are many biblical scholars who believe that uh, those were perhaps some of the final words that Solomon wrote. Hmm. Uh, perhaps he gathered his loved ones around on his deathbed, you know, as he's about to uh, leave earth. And, uh, you know, he'd written all these great proverbs and all these great wisdom um, traits and, and so forth. And yet he's saying, all that's great, but above all else, guard your heart. Hmm. So Dan, here's your chance. Let's let's. You were talking about time earlier, but let's let's flip the cock forward and let's now. You're at the end of your time here on Earth, sure. and you've gathered your loved ones around, and you're now imparting your final words of wisdom. What's your above all else advice for for people to consider? I hope it's uh, what I'm saying today. Live, believe, and behave in such a way that you jealously guard the heart of another person and, and uh, be absolutely sacrosanct about that. Uh, where you see uh, abuse, where you see injustice, where you see uh, the need for defense, uh, for the defenseless, to your spouse, to your kids, be a jealous garter of that heart. And if you can do that, then um, carelessness is flung far from you, my friend, right? You never have to worry about being careless if you'll just jealous, jealously guard the hearts of another person. Great words of wisdom lived out over a lifetime. Folks, we have had the incredible pleasure on this edition of the Bottom Line Faith podcast to be speaking with Dan Rogers, the president and CEO of Cherry Street Mission Ministries. So if you are a business leader, if you are a parent, uh, you are um, a nonprofit leader, you have had the opportunity in this um, edition of Bottom Line Faith to gain some incredible pearls of wisdom from Dan Rogers. Dan, I want to just thank you so much for, for the generosity of your time. You're welcome. And uh, for the extension of your wisdom. Thank you for all that you're doing here. You're welcome, Ray. It's been a true pleasure to be with you today and your listeners, and trust uh, that God will continue to use this kind of podcast to bring encouragement to a generation of leaders that need it. Well, folks, uh, if you'd like to learn more about Cherry Street Ministries here in Toledo, Ohio, the website is Cherry Street Mission. That's all spelled out lowercase, cherrystreetmission.org. This has been Ray Hilbert, your co-host for the Bottom Line Faith podcast, and we look forward to uh, meeting with you in our next edition. God bless. We'll see you soon.